Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Tuesday, April 12th. Happy play-in day. I'm Jay Skeets, and alongside me, on screen at least, we do have Tass Mellis. Play on, play in, players. We got our top shot hot boy, Trey Kirby. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Yo. The international man of mystery taking it to the Max Lielis. Friends. Mm. Ah. And super producer filling in still for JD. His final no dunk show, Andrew Schleck. What's up, Andrew? Last day hanging in the yard, guys. It's, uh, it's been fun. Oh, man. The, the clouds are coming. Time <laughs> to go on inside. No more yard time. Uh, though you will be doing uh, no breaks episode later today with Trey Graydon. And special guest, Lee Ellis, talking oh, about yeah. the uh, Melbourne GP there, the Australian GP. So uh, you're not done quite just yet, Andrew, but uh, we appreciate you <laughs> filling in and the admirable work you've done here, keeping this uh, this train moving. Shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. Take a second, subscribe to No Dunks on YouTube. Do that if you haven't. Uh, like the video, comment, share the show. Email in any of your NBA questions to nodunksattheathletic.com. Keep them coming. Sicko Week is continuing here at No Dunks uh, later on today's show. Today's the day. I will announce my 10 All-NBA teams and the snubs at every single position. <laughs> I had somebody tweeting this morning, can't wait to see where PJ Washington lands. <laughs> Sorry, buddy, doesn't make the cut, but uh, hey, maybe I'll throw his name in now as a snub. Uh, Lili, you got Tweet of the Night. Mm-hmm. That's always an adventure. You ready for that one? Okay. I Great. think so, yes. Okay, and uh, we will get into the uh, Sacramento Kings moving off of Elvin Gentry as their interim head coach and uh, once again starting up the search for another one. We'll get to that, though, <laughs> in a little bit. The we people two- want to know, Andrew, where are you? You look like an <clears throat> official businessman today. With the I do. I've shirt. got my collar on. I've got my lanyard. <laughs> no, I'm at, uh, th- I'm at the Thunder Practice Facility currently. We've got exit interviews today. Talking to uh, Mike or Mark Degnault, whoever, whatever you prefer. <laughs> whoever shows up. Nice, hey, make sure nice. you ask Josh Giddy about the uh, Formula One in uh, Melbourne, too. I'm sure he was a bit of a rev head back in his days. <laughs> I'll see if I can get him on no breaks this afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Why not? That'd be a great get. Yeah, yeah, we could bump Lee from that show and uh, put John Giddy <laughs> on instead. Uh, okay, we got two more play-in games to preview and predict here uh, on this Tuesday episode. Before we dive in, if you're curious where our thoughts are on tonight's two games, Cavs-Nets and Clippers-Wolves, those games on TNT tonight, 7 and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, go check out yesterday's podcast, Monday's No Dunks Pod or the YouTube show, show excuse me, where we broke those down and made our predictions. We are actually split on, uh, on the Clippers-Wolves one. So go check that out if you want to hear our thoughts on tonight's games. But we're looking ahead to Wednesday night. Task, get us started, my man. We got Hornets-Hawks. 
Got two Southeast Division rivals meeting up here in the East 9-10 game. Hawks hosting Charlotte and the loser eliminated from playoff contention while the winner gets to meet the loser of the Nets-Cavs game for the chance at the number eight seed. But uh, what are your keys to this game, X-Factors, and predictions, my man? Well, first, I want to know, are we going down to the game? We see Andrew, he's at exit interviews for OKC. This could be the exit interview for the Atlanta Hawks. This could be their last game at home. We got to go. Yeah, we got to go down. Yeah. Let's go. First of all, we haven't confirmed that. Let's go. We're going to go see a thousand points, I think. <laughs> this game is going to be up and down. That's how the Hornets are going to win this game. They want to run. They want to go small. They want to lose the Hawks in transition. You mentioned P.J. Washington. He may not make an all-NBA team, even if there's 10 of them. Uh, but he's going to be key on the floor when... The Hornets beat the Hawks the last time. P.J. Washington was at the five to close the game, along with a a crazy ball handling lineup of LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Miles Bridges, and Cody Martin to throw in a little three and D. And that's the Hornets' pace. They're going to win this game. They don't care about the defensive end all that much, uh, but they just want to outscore Trey and the Hawks. Now, Trey's going to score against that lineup, but if they can slow down that Hornets' small ball a little bit, uh, that's where they win this game. And uh, the the absence of John Collins for the Hawks, who's got a couple injuries, a finger and a foot injury, is is apparent. I think playoff John is a real thing. And maybe he <laughs> comes back uh, in a sort of reverse course. JC could do the unexpected and come back on Good Friday. Uh, if, yeah, a little religion joke for you. You got to explain religion jokes these days. What's happened to our country? Anyways, if they have a game on Friday, he could come back uh, and help out. But he is not playing uh, on Wednesday night. Absolutely not. So I think uh, Clint Capella in the middle is key. He should be the biggest uh, or the most dominant big in this game. That that should be his agenda to be able to uh, destroy a Plumley or PJ Washington on the offensive glass to get lots of pick and roll opportunities and to board like crazy. Uh, because if he can be sort of a pacemaker himself, if he can uh, get some extra uh, points to slow down the Hornets and, and get their transition sort of in neutral a little bit. I, I think the Hawks can win this game. Now, they split the season series. Uh, the Hawks la- lost the last time, as I said, to that sort of small ball lineup in Charlotte. Um, and I, 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 I bring up John Collins. I bring up Clint Capella because DeAndre Hunter has sort of been up and down. You're, you you might have to play Daniil Gallinari a ton in this game, but he is going to get burnt on the defensive end. So Trey Young's just going to need to find help from somebody. It's been a, a crazy Crazy disappointing year. Uh, and Bogdan Bogdanovich, I think, will help. I think you might see a lot of DeLon Wright because of the, the Hornets' uh, small lineups. Uh, mm-hmm. And and Kevin Herter, obviously, out there. But I, I do think the Hawks, um, <laughs> this is a big enough game for them to play enough defense. They just didn't do it enough during the, uh, during the season. But they're a pretty good home team. They have been hot lately at home. And I think they do put forth enough effort uh, to, to slow down uh, a run-and-gun Hornets team. I love John Hollinger's idea with this, Trey. First team to 150 wins, and we give extra points for highlight passes and dunks. I love it. That's, that's what we should do in a play-in game, get really wild. But both these teams coming in, playing decent. Uh, Charlotte, 11-4 and four in their last 15, and the Hawks won seven in their last nine, 17 in their last 26. So these teams, despite maybe not playing a ton of defense, uh, have been finding ways to win. But what are you watching uh, in this one, Trey? Yeah, the key to the game might just be who has the ball last. You know, people will <laughs> score the entirety of the game and whoever just happens to have the ball at the end, maybe that's the win there. As we saw with the Hornets last year in the playoff game, they are 
excited to give up some points. Lost 144 to 117 against the Indiana Pacers. Nobody remembers that at this point. I think the Hawks can win this pretty easily if they take care of the ball. They're, in general, a low turnover team because Trey Young handles the ball for the majority of the time. And that's pretty much the entirety of the Hornets' defense. If they don't force a turnover, you're probably going to score. Whereas the Hornets, they're going to win this by outshooting the Hawks. The Hornets take a ton of threes. They shoot a pretty good percentage. The Hawks shoot them well. They just don't shoot quite as many of them. So I think this is going to be a pretty big game for uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Kevin Huerta, and obviously Danilo Gallinari as well. They've got to make their threes because the Hornets are going to junk things up. They're going to try and make somebody else besides Trey Young beat them. They've done a pretty solid job against Trey Young uh, yeah. during the regular season this year. I think like 20 points per game on 38% shooting. They're going to play small. They're going to play fast, and they're going to shoot a ton of threes. The Hawks are just going to have to kind of control the tempo by keeping by taking good care of the ball. And by keeping their poise, because things are going to get weird against the Hornets. The Hornets are really good at getting opposing teams to play their style of basketball. The Hawks honestly just can't do that because then things turn into a track meet. And at that point, it could be a toss up. I think the Hawks are the better team here, um, but they have to play like the better team. They have to play smarter. And that hasn't always been the Hawks strong suit this season. Yeah, Trey, you're right. I mean, Charlotte in the matchups with the with the Hawks this year, they they like... They'll throw some zone defense at Trey. They'll force the ball out of his hands. They'll go small, like you guys have talked about here. And the theory is, if you get the ball out of Trey's hands early, that it may not come back to him, uh, <laughs> you know, because he's not whipping around there like he's Steph Curry, you know, for, for a lot of the time. So that's the plan, probably. And that's why I think those shooters that you guys are saying, Bogdanovich, Kevin Huerta, you can't even say his name mm. normal now because of it's Lee. Uh, he's, he's key because if the ball's forced out of Trey and they're saying anybody but you beat us, we don't want to give up the floaters. We don't want you in isolation. Red Velvet, I mean, he scored 18 points per game in, in his four games against Charlotte. He shot 52% and splashed 17 three-pointers. You know, they might need that or a Bogdanovich or both of them there, Lee, to, uh, you know, keep the, the the scoreboard ticking there. But um, this one should be fun. I hope we're down there. Mm. I think Trey just sent a, a Slack message that standing room only tickets are now available. Oh, wow. um, so let's get down there, Lily. But what do you think um, about this one? Yeah, no, I, I think uh, the point you guys are hitting on are pretty much where it's come down. I think home court advantage is going to be big in this one. I think if it was in Charlotte, the Hornets are probably favorites here in Atlanta and the Hawks are favorite. And I think Bogdanovich is the key here because he only played two games against the Hornets this season and he was pretty bad. Nine points and he shot 23% from downtown. That's just not going to fly if the Hawks are going to get away with this one because if you go cold, if your team goes cold for five or six possessions, that could really open it up for the other team. And that's just something in this sort of a game you can't afford to lose. So I, I think it comes down. I, I think Gallinari in a, in a game like this, it's actually okay. You know he's going to get exposed defensively, but he can also just get maybe go out there and hit five or six threes, which could really help Atlanta's case here. So it should be fantastic. It should be a fun game. Uh, lots of running and gunning and all that. And, and the Hornets are going to feel good. You mentioned their record in recent games. The Hawks had a, a quietly a similar sort of turnaround like they had last season. They were eight games below 500 around the halfway mark, finished 26 and 14, but it kind of went under the radar because I think a lot of us thought, man, the Hawks just haven't got it this year, but they've sort of got themselves into this position. They have managed to steal home court uh, in this critical matchup against Charlotte. And really, that's where it could come down to. I, I think we're going to see Trey trying to throw some lobs to Clint Capella as well because Plum Dog, you know, he's a, he's a battler down there. But I think the way you can maybe expose him is just by getting uh, lobs over the top of him. That's how they're going to have to get some easy points. And then those guys, if Boggy and uh, and Kevin Huerta, just to correct you there, uh, if those guys are making shots, 
Atlanta wins this game. If they're not, I think it's uh, Charlotte wins this game. But I can easily see this one, as Hollinger points out, there being 153 to 148, multiple guys in 30-point uh, territory for this game. And it just becomes like a, a crazy, crazy ending. Big swings throughout the game. But I would take the Hawks, again, because they're at home. And I think Trey Young, they've got the best player. And you will be in attendance, standing, I banging will on be a wall? Standing. Uh, yeah, okay. I'll, be, I'll be there, standing, cheering. Channeling <laughs> my emotion, trying to, but hey, it'd be fun to see Lamelo Ball in a playoff game too. I mean, or whatever, you know, what are we ever calling this playing game? Because uh, I'm excited to see how he handles the pressure. You know, he, he yeah. he's a star player, and uh, he has been good for them over this last stretch where Charlotte has been playing some of their best ball. The real question is how many beers will Lee have on Wednesday night? That's all I care about. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's, are... I mean, you, you set the line at one and a half. That's where you go. These are because yeah. he, he he finds these tall boys to be uh, a little too much at times. Doesn't like the <laughs> selection sometimes. Yeah, they don't you know, have one's the Peronis. A given. You're good for one. That second one, I never know with you. Yeah, well, the, the Peronis <laughs> last year weren't so big. Now they've got these gigantic Stellas, and I'm like, it's just a little too much. It gets a little dry, a little bit uh, warm at the end of it as well. So we need to <gasps> find. The medium then. <laughs> well, taking, I think it stays you know, pretty wet. Uh, you're drinking it and you're like, uh, nah, I'm ready. You get about three quarters of the way through and you're like, all right, I'm ready for a freshie. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm hitting the uh, I'm hitting the over on Wednesday night for a playing <laughs> game. I think Lee's going to be uh, feeling it down there at the Fortress. Uh, Tess, any other you know things to watch in this game, X Factors, or um, what is your final prediction? Leans. It sounds like you're leaning towards Atlanta. Yeah, they're nine and one in their last ten at home. I think that's the uh, the biggest number we should be looking at. I do like the fact that they lost their last game against the Hornets. I think for teams that are uh, you know good enough to be in this position, but not great enough to be in the top four, uh, they do fight back after losses. And I think uh, this is a they had a bad taste in their mouth the way they gave away that game in Charlotte, and they will remember that. And uh, I think yeah, Bogdan Bogdanovich is key coming down the stretch. He had uh, a really good stretch run. Uh, towards the end of the season. Uh, he is uh, very focused. He said to uh, our Chris Kirshner at The Athletic, we opened up uh, a lot to, to Chris Kirshner in an article. He said, I'm going to set a record next year. Chris Kirshner said, what, what record are you going to set? He said, well, I don't know. It's just the record uh, because he's focused. He wants he wants to set a shooting record, whatever that is, whatever that may be. He's he, he's kind of uh, tired of uh, just being labeled a guy that, uh, you know, doesn't didn't shoot a good percentage this year. He feels like he had a, a good season shooting the balls. And so I think he is he's a really, really big key, along with Kevin Herter uh, beside Trey Young, uh, just to slow the flow him just to really slow down uh, the Hornets. I just hope that the Hawks don't slow it down by going to the hack a Plumley as a coyote jester suggests here in the stream team. <laughs> he hack. would love it. Oh, please. No, please. No, I don't want to see free throws from uh, a left-handed free throw shooter that just converted kind of cool. Uh, but I, I hope, <laughs> so cool. I hope the, uh, yeah, I hope the Hawks. I mean, is there anything cool about a free throw? No, I guess I guess a guy changing from right to left is kind of cool. I just hope that uh, it doesn't come down to that for the Atlanta Hawks. Listen, I'm cheering for the Hawks being down here, but I, I do agree. It's exciting to see uh, LaMelo Ball in a, um, uh, you know, a, a show me type of game. This is going to be his first uh, run here in the, in the postseason, I think is the appropriate term. Regular season? Postseason for where we are right now, then playoffs. I think that's how we oh, wow. uh, we got to play it. 
Yeah, that's he played. Rules, he played last year though, fourteen points oh, yeah. on four of fourteen shooting, and it was a dud against uh, the Pacers. So, got to yeah. be a better performance by the Hornets this year. Everybody was excited to see him in the play-in tournament, and you know it's a year later, and we're all forgetting that they were even there. They got smoked by oh, a yeah. terrible Pacers team, like a bummer Pacers team. Somehow hung yeah. one hundred and forty-four points on him. It could get ugly, that's for sure. Like, yes. another X factor, no doubt, is Kelly Oubre Jr. He's yeah. going to take 12 threes, guaranteed. <laughs> he might make nine. He might make one. So we shall see uh, which way it ends up going uh, for Kelly and the boys. Will Lee be blowing kisses to him? I don't know. I don't know if he's going to well, do that in Atlanta. Yeah. Well, see, I've got the uh, the old Larry Johnson Charlotte T-shirt as well, the number two on the back. But I can't wear that to a Hawks playoff game. I've got to be a Hawks bro. So uh, I'll save the kisses for uh, Kevin. Kevin and uh, Boggy. <laughs> Every kiss okay. begins with K. Yeah, Kevin yeah, or Kelly, yeah, yeah. either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so so Trey, you're going Atlanta. What's your final prediction here? Yeah, yeah? I'm going Atlanta. The okay. Hawks are the better team here. They're surely disappointed to be a nine seed this season. They just kind of messed around for the first half of the year before putting things together in the second half of the season. They've got playoff experience. They know how to actually win playoff games. They were in the conference finals last year. I'm going Hawks. Okay. And Lee, before I ask you for your uh, final score prediction, four morning poops pointing out a uh, hack of plum dog was what we called smoking grape <laughs> cigarellos in high school. Great message there in the stream yeah. team. You guys are killing it here this morning. Okay. So Lee, uh, you are leaning towards Atlanta. What, what yes. do you think? Give me a close one blowout. Where you go? Uh, no, I think it will be a close one. I mean, I think the Hawks have got a slightly better offense, but the Hornets have got a slightly better defense. Not that that really plays into it in this one. I think it honestly just comes down to who gets hotter at the right time. Uh, I think the Hawks win 153 to 148 in regulation. You know what? I just want to push back on this because I said it too, like the whole Hollinger thing. Sometimes we've done this before. We're like, wow, there's going to be zero defense in this. You watch. It's going to be 180 to 170. And then the game is like the opposite. It's the weirdest thing, especially in a well, one game situation. Look, maybe but again in the playoffs, it's a lot, it's, it is a bit tighter and maybe they, uh, yeah. you know, they try a little bit harder to defend and lock down the other team. But I just think once you get into the flow of this game, you, one team could be up 20 and it's like, no need to panic, guys. We can make this yeah. up in five or six possessions. Yeah, that, that that's fair. Uh, so hopefully it is an entertaining game. I'm with you guys. I'm also taking Atlanta. I think it will be a close one, though. I, I think this will be like a, a five or six point game. What's the line on this one? Hawks favorite? Uh, you guys I think said? five By points. A couple? I saw. Yeah. Oh, is it? Okay, I right around there then. Oh, they're good at this, aren't they? Uh, mm. But give me Atlanta in a somewhat close game. Hopefully an entertaining game uh, versus Charlotte. Uh, let's move to the second game on Wednesday night. Again, these games are not on tonight. These are on tomorrow, these two. Uh, Spurs Pelicans. My goodness, Trey, the game that some people wonder, should it even be happening because of their <laughs> overall record? Well, it is. All right. It's real to me. Damn it. Spurs Pelicans, uh, take it away. What are you watching on this one? Yeah, I'm going to be like Matthew McConaughey, hacking a plum dog watching this one. <laughs> Just eyes focused in on two mediocre teams playing decent basketball. But... You know, the good thing for the Pelicans and Spurs is they've both been playing games that matter for the last month of the season. Look at how the Pelican season started. They went 1-12 to begin the year, and they finished the year 10 games under 500. Advanced stats tell me that means they played over 500 basketball for five months. They won nine of their last 15. The Spurs, meanwhile, won eight of their last 15, seven of the last 11. A lot of that was against brutal teams who were trying yeah. to get out of the play-in tournament. But they also beat the Warriors and the Nuggets in the last month of the season. So the Spurs were at least given some serious 
effort out there. The key to this game starts with who's playing and who isn't. DeJounte Murray didn't play five of the final six games for the Spurs, though he did suit up in game 82. John Hollinger mentions that the Spurs pick drops six slots if they get up to the number eight seed and actually make the playoffs. That being said, Murray's going to play. For the Pels, the question is Brandon Ingram. He didn't play the last three games for New Orleans, has been resting his hamstring. The Athletics' Will Guillory said the plan is for him to be ready for the play-in tournament. Yeah. So I'm assuming we got basically full rosters that we did get that little Zion tease. Oh, he would love to come back. <laughs> it ain't happening. Assuming that Ingram is playing, the Pelicans got to be the favorite. 29 and 26 in the 55 games that Ingram played. Between him and CJ McCollum, maybe a little bit too much offense for the Spurs, but it should still be tight because the Pelicans get to the line a lot, but the Spurs are one of the better teams in the league at keeping opponents off the foul line. New Orleans forces a ton of turnovers, but the Spurs take care of the ball. Spurs beat the Pelicans three times this season. The Pelicans beat them once by 33 points. So very different, but evenly matched teams. One potential area to watch New Orleans on the offensive glass. The Pelicans were third in offensive rebound rate this season. The Spurs are 26th in defensive rebound rate. So an X factor, more like a V factor. Jonas Valanciunas, this is already going to be his fourth play-in game of his career. He was there with the Grizzlies in 1920, played wow. two games last year in 2021, <laughs> including a 23-point, 23-rebound, oh, big yeah. beef Barbara Walters against Jakob Pertl last season playing with the Grizzlies. <laughs> So I got to go with JV here. Pirtle keeps showing up in all of these weird situations, and he's usually taking uh, taking the L in it. So I think you're going to throw a, another L. P-O-E-L-T-L-L on this one. <laughs> Thank God we have Trey Kirby because no one else remembers any of these previous play-in games. <laughs> it's like you say Somebody's got to like, look him up. Oh, yeah. Like, I guess that did happen. I guess they did play. Uh, all right. So he's leaning with the Pelicans at home. Uh, I, I will say, I was completely wrong about both these teams. I remember when they started 1-12 in New Orleans, I said, well, this season's over. I mean, it's a wrap. Disappointing as hell. No Zion. It's over. They're not going to be sniffing the playoffs. Well, here they are in the play-in. And then, I remember at the trade deadline, the Spurs appear to be like, okay, you know, mm. we'll sort of wave the white flag on this season. You know, just lean into the development of our guys. They traded away Derek White. You know, they, they traded away Thad Young. They just get some picks. And it's like, instead, they fall into this spot too. A big part of this, of course, is the Lakers being complete garbage. But here they are. Uh, Lee, what are you watching in this one? Where does the advantage lie to you? Well, I think it adv uh, the advantage lies in two things, the home court and then the playoff experience. I know you mentioned the play in there, but CJ McCollum's been to the playoffs around 60 games there. Valentunas has played around 50. Brandon Ingram's never played, but I think CJ McCollum has gone at least to the conference finals, and that could be a pretty decisive factor. He's been pretty good since he did come over in the trade. He's obviously a guy who can go out there and score. I'm not sure the Spurs offense can sort of keep up when you've got those sort of guys. I think Valanciunas in the middle has the advantage over Yucca Pirtle as well. Yucca Pirtle's a good defender, but I think Jonas is a big body out there for him that he can sort of muscle his way inside and get a few easy baskets. So I think it sort of leans towards New Orleans for that reason. I think they've just got the experience, the guys who I trust a little bit more to get a bucket. And Dejounte Murray, the, the injury is interesting because... Uh, if you you know if you sit out the last game or two, you can understand maybe rest. But five of six tells me there's probably something a little bit more there. So maybe he's not 100%. Who knows? We'll find out. But uh, I just think the Pelicans have uh, been playing better, certainly sort of since the uh, the All-Star break there. And again, home court advantage can be a real factor in a, in a, in a one-off game like this. You want to be at home. You want to be in front of your fans, especially when you've got guys who are just a little bit more experienced 
playing beyond the regular season. So uh, that's why I lean towards CJ McCollum. I think he can have a pretty big game here and uh, and be the sort of Lillard that uh, he played next to there in Portland, where it's like time to step up your game. He's shown that in the past, and I think he's going to do it again tonight or tomorrow. Tomorrow night, yes. Uh, Wednesday night, this one mm. goes down. I'm excited for like the casual fan to maybe tune into this game, Tass, and be like, what, Jackson Hayes? This guy plays alongside JV and Herb Jones? Who the hell is that? Where'd this guy come from? There's going to be a lot of that. Uh, people people are going to be confused even McCollum's on the Pelicans, I think. I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of people are following New Orleans all that closely. But uh, do you think the Spurs can, you know, I guess call it an upset. It would be on the road to win this game and try and have a shot at the eight seed. Or do you like New Orleans as well? Well, I like New Orleans. I do think Jakob Pertle in the middle for the Spurs is important. Uh, getting on the offensive glass and getting Jonas Valanciunas hopefully out of the game. I think that's the the biggest key for the Spurs is just to get Valanciunas off the floor if possible uh, to be able to go against Willie Hernan Gomez and to be able to open it up for DeJounte Murray a little bit more in the middle to to go dance uh, with uh, Willie Hernan Gomez or whoever. Yeah, I do think the Pelicans offense is going to be uh, a little too much. Uh, I, I do think Brandon Ingram, even though he's never played in a playoff game or a play-in game, uh, to me, play-in games don't exist until they're on basketball reference. I, I, they're on NBA.com, but uh, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it that they don't <laughs> exist. They're not regular season stats. They're not postseason stats. They're play-in stats. They don't exist until they're on basketball reference. But Brandon Ingram, I am surprised because he's an all-star, I suppose, uh, that this is year six for him and he's never played in the playoffs. But he does have that uh, advantage beside him in C.J. McCollum, for sure, uh, having been there you know, quite a bit uh, throughout his career. Uh, and it is funny to think about uh, DeJounte Murray, who's been in this league a lot longer than you uh, remember, I guess, because he feels like a young player, but this is uh, the seventh year anyway since he's drafted in 2015. He's been to the, a couple playoffs with Kawhi Leonard. Uh, it's been so freaking long. Uh, but, um, you know, the, the playoff advantage has to go to the Pels and their offense. Uh, but I think if the Spurs are able to play a little rugged uh, with, uh, you know, the the depth that they have at center, if they bring in a jock or whoever. Uh, uh, I mean, if they can if they can rough up Valanciunas, I think that's the key to the game. I think get him out of the game uh, as quickly as possible. Keldon Johnson uh, asked about this trip here, Lee. I wanted to get your take on this. He said the Spurs are packing for four games. All right, because... They're packing for two play-ins mm-hmm. and then two playoff games because if they make it, they're the eighth seed <laughs> and they're on the road in Phoenix. Uh, so he said, quote, everybody on the team is packing for four games. We're going to be ready to play. Uh, I'm just curious your take on that because I know you and Trey, especially in sending you to finals at times, mm. you would never know, you know, if it was wrapping up, it's a possibility it's over tonight. It's not, you know, the dilemma of like how much to pack because mm. you could be there. Let's call it one night. You could be there three or four <laughs> nights the way they stretch out these finals. So uh, did, did you also have this uh, Keldon Johnson dilemma? And were you always leaning towards, well, I got a pack for the four nights? Or would yeah. you just buy new clothes in the city? Well, yeah, I had to take three blazers at times, you know, because uh, or sports coats, because you, you couldn't wear the same one on the show. Uh, you know, and we were probably never gone. I think three games was the most one of us went at any one time okay. there. So so that was it. So it was a little bit of uh, extra, uh, you know, luggage you had to take, but it was always fun. You know, you thought, well, I've got to mix up the shirts and things like that. You can't, you can't wear the same one. And then two games later, you got the same shirt on, because then it looks like you were just like, you had no faith in the team. But what's interesting about his remarks there, I mean, Pat Riley, when the uh, Heat went to Dallas to close it out in 2006 when it was the old 2-3-2 format and they were up 3-2. He was like, I'm taking one shirt, 
one tie and one suit. And that sort of made more sense, that sort of confidence, arrogance of yeah. like, we're yeah. ending it here. But, you know, you, players are supposed to only take it one game at a time. But uh, not Kelvin Johnson. He's like, nah, we're, we're going to the playoffs, baby. So I like the confidence from a young guy. I like yeah. it. I, I think it's good. Kelvin Johnson's playing uh, really, really well for uh, San Antonio mm. as of late, too. He's putting up some numbers there. Uh, yeah, this will be fun. I saw people in the stream team saying, one task, this is the uh, this is like the Raptors bowl here with Pirtle versus JV. Uh, it's like a uh, practice yeah. back in the day. And then two, even the people that are the sickos here in the stream team are like, yeah, you don't get, most people don't get a, a lot of opportunities unless you're a Pelicans or Spurs fans to see these two teams play. And I think that's that's very true. And there will be, in theory, some, some eyeballs on this game as the, the last game of the first part of the play-in tournament on Wednesday night. So it'll be fun. I hope they put on a show. I hope to, you know some of the young Spurs players and even some of these young Pelican guys like Herb Jones that they ball out because this will be a big opportunity for them to uh, at least get recognized by some. I would say people have the opportunity to watch the Pelicans and the Spurs. They just choose not to. Well, yeah. Really. Well, I mean, every team is available. Well, not everybody has league pass, though. Not everybody. You're not seeing them on national uh, television a lot. You're not seeing them on NBA TV a lot. Oh, come on. There's lots of Pellies on NBA (laughs) TV. No, Uh, Check the sked, man. Check check. the How many times do you think the Pelicans played on NBA TV this year? At least as many as Lee brings Blazers on the road. At least. I guess the Zion factor. factor They had national TV games. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So. Predictions? Um, is everybody taking New Orleans? Yeah, it's about a five-point line there as well. Uh, I think the Spurs can cover it, but I am taking the Pelicans to win the contest. Okay. Uh, what about you, Tass? Yeah, I got the Pellies at home. I, I do believe in Brandon Ingram as a, uh, a cool cat number one guy, especially CJ McCollum uh, playing beside him. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard for uh, the Spurs to contain that. Again, I do think it's uh, the Spurs got to score inside uh, for this game to be interesting. It's got to be DeJounte Murray and Kelvin Johnson getting JV off the floor. Uh, but yeah, I believe in the Pels. I, I, the, the Pels, uh, you know, they they did have aspirations. They do they they did you know come from one and twelve. I, I think they're a confident bunch going into this game. All right, what do you uh, what do you got, Trey? I would love to San Antonio swerve, but I got to go with the Pelicans here. They seem like a team that you know had they you throw out the first month of the season, they're right up there with some of the bad Eastern Conference teams. You know, they would be knocking on the door of the tenth seed regardless in the Eastern Conference. So, yeah, you know. Not a lot of people watch the Pelicans and Spurs. And when the Pelicans showed up on national TV, people were like, "Why are the Pelicans on national TV?" Yeah. So that's definitely true, but. You know, one exciting game is all we need from these squads tonight or tomorrow yeah. night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could have done the previews on the days of the game, but that would have made too much sense. Uh, well, yeah, then we've got too many blocks to fill, too. Uh, uh, I was going to say, Tass, you're right. I forgot the Zion factor, of course, uh, thinking he might going to play this season. 15 total, five on NBA TV. <laughs> Though, who knows how many of these were flexed. We'd have to really do a deep dive on that. But uh, <laughs> they did have some games on uh, on, nationally, on on national television. Though, uh, were people watching? I'm not sure. And the viewing experience has improved in New Orleans. It used to be uh, mm. poor lighting. Not not great. Just not great color-wise. And I know some people don't like the uh, the giant pelican that stretches its wings from three-point line to three-point line. But I think the viewing experience has gotten a lot better. I just I just didn't like the aesthetics before, but somehow, I don't know what they did. The lights are better. Things are better in New Orleans. It, it should be a fun game. I, I know it's 
of the four games, to me, this is the least exciting. I got to be honest. Yeah. Got to be totally honest because, you know, they are two sub 500 teams. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, the Pels and the Spurs, they have not been playing like those sub 500 teams recently. So it should be a good one. Okay. We'll take our first break. When we come back, we'll talk about the Kangs looking for another head coach. And we will finally get to uh, my 10 all NBA teams. Yes. Yeah, sicko season is here, people. Be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Been doing a bunch of retirement planning stuff lately. So I've had documents flying in and out the mailbox. A lot of signatures, both analog and digital. A lot of phone calls, a lot of stamps. Got to get my long-term future straight. Yeah. Let me tell you, Skeets. The things we build our future around are the things worth protecting. Making an estate plan now means gaining security of your assets and peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Watch your assets. With Trust and Will, you can create and manage a custom estate plan starting at just $199. Go to trustandwill.com slash nodunks for 10% off plus free document shipping. Trust and Will's website is simple to use and the process is straightforward. In no time, you'll have peace of mind that your assets and wishes are secure with easy access and control of your estate planning. Each will or trust is state-specific and customized to your needs, whether it be care wishes, nomination guardians, final arrangements, or power of attorney. It's easy to ensure your family and loved ones avoid lengthy, expensive legal proceedings or the state deciding what happens to your assets. Secure your assets and protect your loved ones with trust and will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate plan documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash nodunks. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash no dunks. Selling a little? Yeah. Cha-ching. Or a lot? (laughs) Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling savory sausages or offering ostentatious oddities, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash nodunks, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash no dunks now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash no dunks. Okay, back here with the crew. Uh, uh, where's Dust? There he is. Hey, buddy boy. Um, before we get to my 10 all-NBA teams and the snubs, uh, we had some news in the NBA coaching world. We know that Frank Vogel was fired by the Lakers, but also yesterday, Elvin Gentry was informed that he is no longer the interim head coach of the Sacramento Kings and that the team will commence a comprehensive coaching search immediately. Lots of names being considered. Kenny Atkinson, Steve Clifford, Mark Jackson, Mike Brown, and a couple of Bucks assistants, Charles Lee and Darvin Ham. Shams was the first one all over this, but... uh. Lee, here we go again uh, with Sacramento. This is not really a surprise. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he hadn't shed the interim head coaching title there, but Gentry's out, and uh, here here they go again. What do you, what do you think of this news? Yeah, um, I mean, they, he may be staying on in the front office in a role there, but uh, they are obviously trying to get a new head coach, and their basketball reference uh, franchise index page is a pretty miserable page uh, because if you go back, do you remember who the coach was before Luke Walton? Anybody remember? <laughs> Dave Yeager? Dave Yeager was the coach, and, and his last season he went 39 and 43. Now, that 39 and 43 was the best record they had since they last made the playoffs in 2006 with Rick Adelman. So the so Kings amazing. just can't get out of their own way. They just don't seem to know what they're doing. It's it's like you hire someone, you go, this is our guy, and then five minutes later, he's out and someone else has come in. And that's going to be the problem. They're going to get a coach, they're going to get a good coach there. But the front office and the ownership group there, Vivek Ranadive, he has to be able to get his hands out because that's where a lot of the criticisms have come from in recent times that the owner just sort of interferes and puts his uh, fingerprints on bad decisions. And if you hire smart, good, accomplished front office people, you have to basically let them do it. Now, Monty McNair has made a few changes in the last couple of days as well, uh, uh, relieving another assistant general manager of his duties, a press uh, 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 public relations director as well, and there's likely to be other changes. So it sort of has to, you have to trust Monty. If you've hired him to do this job and be the general manager, then you have to let him go all the way through because otherwise I can see what's going to happen in another year or two. They're going to fire somebody else. And so this is a, a very, very important decision, I think, for the Kings moving forward. I don't think they made the right decision during the season, trading away Tyrese Halliburton. You know, he gets Sabonis in return, but Sabonis has only got, I think, two years left on his contract, and he's an unrestricted free agent. So you have to make sure that this next cho- choice of coach is someone who is going to be able to sort of stabilize some movement there, because I really feel that the Kings are their own biggest enemy here, and uh, they've got to be able to you know, get rid of the chaos that's engulfing this franchise and has done for the last 10 to 15 years. Yeah, this will be Sacramento's third head coach in as many seasons, and it's sixth head coach since Michael Malone was let go in 2014. Uh, there's been a lot of them, and the only one that's ever had any success was Rick Adelman uh, a long time ago, like Lee said. So who do you bring in here, Tass? Um, and, and can this team, you know, turn this around with what appears to be building blocks still in Sabonis and Fox. So what do you do? Well, I think uh, what Lee said in terms of bringing in a, a real steady hand that has a, an influence uh, beyond just the head coaching role, because it really does go up to the front office where it's, uh, you know, we've, we've seen a couple um, coaching moves in the last couple of days where uh, the front office just 
isn't doing their job all that well. It's it's happening in LA where they they let go of Frank Vogel, uh, their their coach who won a championship without telling the guy first, uh, done through the media. And you know, Alvin Gentry obviously didn't have a, a long term contract with this team. Uh, at the same time, um, <laughs> they need somebody who has that. I mean, who has uh, the 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 confidence of ownership and has the ability to do what he wants. Uh, yeah, ever since Michael Malone was left or let go in twenty fourteen, yeah, it's been uh, a roller coaster. It's been a roller coaster for a long time with this team. So who they bring in, I I don't know. But somebody who has uh, a ton of power, I think, and uh, knows that the front office is going to be stable. But that's a lot to ask of this Kings franchise. Unfortunately, it's it it is truly a lot to ask. So who knows? I'm just sad that we don't have an Alvin in the league anymore. Uh, I love I love the name Alvin. And you know, you, you mentioned I, I'm just I'm just thinking names now. Skeets, you mentioned Jackson Hayes, Jackson with an X. What Herb uh, playing tomorrow, and then Alvin. I'm so sad, so sad that an Alvin is gone again. But he'll be back, obviously, on someone's bench if if he doesn't take a front office role. I think. I see a lot of people. I know I was watching uh, Deuce and Mo, a Fantastic Kings podcast yesterday. They were breaking this breaking news, and uh, they had they even were like like uh, showing Fox and Sabonis being asked about this decision and where they go. And it seems like they really just want like, of course, someone that can have an identity to a team. Trey, like, like a Kenny Atkinson, what he did in Brooklyn makes some sense here uh, in Sacramento if he's like given the chance to like find you know young good players and grow them into something uh and 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 also like keep them accountable um which i think they've been lacking over the last couple years probably since a jagger if we're being honest but what do you think uh the kangs do here where do they go they've got a few options number one bring back rick adelman he'll be 76 at the start of next season he's been retired for seven years but they made the playoffs eight times in eight seasons with rick adelman so maybe that's the key Atkinson's not a bad choice, especially if you want to kind of be uh, an early Nets team where you're just uh, trying to build more of a program rather than an NBA franchise, get everybody on the same page and get a lot of young guys bought in. I can see that being beneficial or maybe which I'm seeing the stream team suggest as well. Frank Vogel is somebody they could take a look at because you know he's going to bring a defensive identity. He said uh, after his time with the Lakers was coming to an end, it's been a win now. Uh, scenario for him every year that would not be the case in Sacramento it'd just be an improved now and have an identity and he's surely got a lot of purple in his wardrobe would be a short trip to Sacramento so I think that could work as well um but they just need somebody that's gonna get them to play like a professional basketball team I don't know what that means they somewhat improved defensively this year from 30th to 27 so that's at least a step in the right direction they think they've got things straightened out with uh, their backcourt with Mitchell and Fox and then Sabonis making plays as well. There's some talent there, but they've not been able to get on the same page, basically since Michael Malone was around. Yeah, the deepest question about this Kings franchise that I came across yesterday was, has Sacramento's inability to evaluate coaching talent held back their bad players? Or has their inability to evaluate player talent held back their bad coaches? Real chicken in the egg type mm. of vibe there. I was like, holy crap, my brain nearly exploded. Uh, <laughs> trying to think about that one because they've they've struck out on both sides of that uh, a couple of times, Lee. But we'll see what they can do here and if they can uh, turn this around. I still believe in De'Aaron Fox. I was tweeting yesterday. I'll, I'll buy all your Fox stock if you want off of it. I get it. If you're ready to check out on them, I'll buy it. Uh, 
and I and I'd hope to see this team at least look. It's embarrassing this team is not in the play-in. I mean, mm. we'd all agree with that, right, Lily? Like Absolutely. with the record that you need to get in at this yeah. year, Jesus. Uh, yeah. You know, because when they fired Luke Walton, that didn't seem to be a uh, firing with some other direction or plan in mind. It was just like, hey, we want to just fire the coach and see if that works, and it didn't really do anything. And I think if you are De'Aaron Fox, I also think he is a very good player. But at this point of his career, he must be just like, you know, this this can't continue. I can't just keep having new coaches, new general managers, you know, huge overhauls of the roster. He needs some stability himself. So he, this is a critical season, I think, for him as to finding a coach that can connect with him and bring out the best of him, which we saw two seasons ago where he was flirting with all-star selection. But this season, he took a step back for the most part. He just didn't seem to have that same juice. And then you look down the roster as well. Someone like Harrison Barnes, I don't think he's going to be a part of their future. So are they going to, you know, how are they going to move on from him? Um, and, and moving forward, there's some other decisions there. So that, this is a big one, a big decision. I think Kenny Atkinson probably fits the sort of mold for a De'Aaron Fox. Like, okay, we can, you know, maybe in the same way D'Angelo Russell excelled under uh, sure. Kenny Atkinson there in Brooklyn. He's a good but, coach. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and he was an all-star there, D'Angelo Russell. So um, I think that's the sort of selection. But um, it's just more important to show some sort of uh, detachment from the ownership group, I think, in the front office. Because if they can't keep meddling with decisions, then we're just going to be in this same position with Sacramento for the next year, a couple of years after that. And that's, I think, been their biggest problem. Skeets, a uh, quick question for you. I think I think the most important thing surrounding the Sacramento Kings is the question of uh, that Deuce and Mo podcast you mentioned. Did Deuce shave his head? That's the most intriguing thing to me about the Kings the last uh, month, I'd say. I'm glad you asked, Tass. Yeah, did he? He, he absolutely did, Good. yes. he. Uh, the, the bald cap gag that he did a couple weeks ago uh, was just that, but he really paid it off. I think, I forget what what the line was. I mean, he said, I'll shave my head if the Kings don't win. I want to say it was like 35 games. Like it wasn't even <laughs> insane. You know, it yeah. wasn't like 50 wins. It wasn't 40. It wasn't like even a winning record. It was like crazy. And they'd still come up short. But yes, he, um, Mo shaved Deuce's head. And you know what? I didn't think it looked that bad on him. You know, it's not it's not like me. It's like uh really bad on some people. I, I thought he might have a I thought he might have a weird alien head like I do, but I thought he pulled it off okay. But he came through, he, he delivered. Just like we gotta deliver on some pick and payoffs still, but he did. Great to hear. Yeah. And a smart move doing it probably on the last show for a while. You can let that hair grow back for a bit. <laughs> well, yeah, so smart all around and, uh, you know, made more content out of it with the bald cap and then, and then, yeah, did it on the last day. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, well played, well executed. <laughs> Poor King couldn't even win 35 games to save this guy's hair. That's insane. Oh, God. Yeah, also crazy when you go to the franchise index for on basketball reference for the Kings and 75% of their top 12 players all time are still in black and white. That's not good. <laughs> you want, you want to see some players in color here. <laughs> yeah. Peja Stoyakovich, the only player in color amongst their top five alongside Oscar Robertson, Jack Twyman, Bobby Wanzer and Jerry Lucas. Oh, geez. Bobby yeah, we Wanzer. Some, we got Royals players in the mix. Eh? Wow. Yeah, it's all bad. Right. It's bad. Woo. All right. Well, uh, we're cheering for you, Kings fans. Trust me. Uh, okay. Let's get to my 10 all-NBA teams. Why did I do this last year? I couldn't remember. <laughs> uh, but people seem to enjoy it enough, so we thought we'd run it back. 
the Sicko Skeets, 10 All-NBA teams. Uh, we'll go through each team one at a time here. I had a lot of fun putting this together. There will be snubs. You will be upset where some of your players are. And just take a second to think about what you're getting upset about, okay? You're going to be pissed off that I didn't have a guy in the top 10 All-NBA teams, or maybe I had him on the seventh team when you thought he should have been on the sixth team. Just breathe a little bit, okay? This is just really fun. I had to make some rules with it, though. So... Uh, you had to at least play over half the season, at least. I sort of like, I kept around like a 55 games played mark. I thought that was fair this year. So that means there's no Paul George here. There's no Kyrie. There's no Dame. There's no AD. There's no Clay. There's no Beal. There's no Draymond even. I mean, he only played 45 games. So like, just keep that in mind when you go, well, where's this guy? Maybe it's because he didn't play enough games. Okay. So. The first three teams we've already discussed before, I changed them a little bit. I got to be honest. First team, though, it's the exact same as I had, uh, whatever that was, a week and a half ago. Uh, I got Jokic as my center. I'll always hit you with my center, my two forwards, and my two guards, okay? That's how all 10 of these teams will go. Jokic, Giannis, Jason Tatum, I'm putting as my uh, you know second forward there on the All-NBA first team. Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. I think you guys almost had the exact same team when we were doing this. Uh, for the most part, all the same names are there. Okay. So let's keep it going. All-NBA second team. This is where Embiid is. This is where Durant is. I did tweak it a little bit. I had LeBron here. Ugh, not making the damn play in Hurts. I'm going to bump him down one. DeRozan, come on up, buddy. You're, uh, you're a forward in my books. And then John Morant and Chris Paul are uh, my guards. Okay. And hey, a quick rant here. Because uh, this is getting out of control People on Twitter freaking out about Jokic and Embiid, how they both need to be on the first team. And it's insane that they're not. And people can't pick a damn center. What are you guys doing? It, it's embarrassing now at this point. I can't believe people I I trust, people I, I turn to their opinions and, and actually hold in high regard, going nuts over this. No one cares. I'll say this till I'm blue in the face. No one cares at the end of their careers whether Embiid or Jokic had more first-team All-NBA selections when they're just going to be the second team. Nobody. All we're going to find out is, like, is Embiid going to end up a David Robinson type? Ten-time All-NBA center? Four of them first team. Two second team. Four third team. Is it going to be Patrick Ewing? Seven-time All-NBA center. One first team, that's it. Six times on the second team. Or is he going to be a Yao Ming, which would probably be better than when it's all said and done. Yao Ming never made a first team. Two second teams, three third teams. Okay, so I just don't care. I don't, and I don't think anybody does. I know I've gotten to a hilarious argument with Trey about this before. First team matters. I never first team matters big time. Anybody say, Hakeem Olajuwon, 12-time All-NBA center. Do you know how many were first team though? Only 50% of the time you made first. No one fucking says it. NBA wait, wait, wait. 75 so didn't even say it. You're telling me, you're telling me Hakeem Olajuwon made yep. more first team all NBA teams than David Robinson and Patrick Ewing. Yeah, but you wouldn't have known unless I did a deep dive on how many times. That's my point, Trey. I mean, I guess all that's interesting, say. except for the fact everybody considers Hakeem the best of those three. That's then totally. Fine. Then Jokic will be better than Embiid when it's all said and done. That's why we do first, second, and third. But 
If I had asked you, there's no way you would have been able to tell me the exact breakdown of David Robinson's 10 All-NBA selections. I just know you wouldn't have. And, the, and that's fine. You shouldn't. Because we just say, 10-time All-NBA center. Done. Awesome. Oh, that means he was one of the best at his position? Yes. Does that mean he's a Hall of Famer? Yes. Does that mean, like... Nah, people people do rankings. That's people stupid. do a top 10, and Hakeem makes stupid. it all the time. David Robinson and Patrick Ewing don't. They were the second and third best centers in that era behind Hakeem, which is why he made the first team so many times. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to disagree on this because I've never heard an argument again. I guess I'm, what I'm saying is it's not going to really do anything to Embiid, in my opinion. Like, he's going to be a Hall of Famer if he continues to play and rack up all NBA selections, be it first, second, or thirds. I'm and sure he loves coming in second and third. Star. I'm sure he loves well, it. I mean, he's second on my team. He was second on your team because you have a backbone and at least you can pick between two guys for one position. Unlike well, everybody else. Well, Go ahead. NBA all-temper team, the comment here coming from. Hilarious. Uh, I've team. never heard that joke. You are so funny. <laughs> Come on. Uh Come up with some new material, guys. We already got a T-shirt. Jesus, just go buy that. <laughs> oh, you, right. can't, you can't ask people to come up with new material when you sold a T-shirt. Anyway, um, you wanna, we, I heard, I heard this that I heard this that, and I, I think it's crazy. Who has made the most All-NBA third teams in the history of the NBA? <laughs> <laughs> Great question, Tess. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. No, it's a player that some would – really enjoy being on the All-NBA third team, as in, you know, he's always been sort of, he's a third wheel. Rudy Gobert? No. No, not a third wheel, but never, you know, never the best in this. Carmelo Anthony? No, no. A current player. Current player. Hmm. Um, How many? He's a wing. Five times. He's made five third All-NBA teams. More than anyone in the history of the league. It's just kind of surprising because you don't think of him as an all-NBA player. I mean, this if you really care about what all-NBA team a player is on, this sort of makes sense for this guy. He's made one all-NBA first team and five third teams, and that's all he's made. He's Russell. a wing. He's never won it. Paul George. Paul George is correct. Paul George. There it yeah. is. CWE wow. Crocker coming through in the stream team. Good stuff. Uh, PG. Uh, okay. I just can't, I just can't believe the conversation going on Twitter and with these actual people with votes, like this maneuvering of trying to get, for some reason, they just start convinced it's so important. I just don't think it is. I completely disagree. Jokic won and B2. Anyway, all NBA third team. We got a lot of teams here. Uh, we'll, we'll speed this up here. Switch it, Andrew. All NBA third teams, you're already over it. Carl Anthony Towns is the center. Siakam is on my All-NBA third team. I'm going to put LeBron here. I know people don't even have him on their uh, legit, you know, All-NBA you know, third team or second team or wherever. I feel that's like a little crazy. You, you step back at a certain point with these and go like, well, is he still one of the best at his position? Yes. <laughs> so he's in on my team. So I, I guess if you really want to hold it against him that he didn't make the plan, sure, go nuts. I don't give a shit. Uh, Curry is the guard and Trey Young is the guard. Okay. Now it gets fun. All NBA fourth team. I'm going Bam Adebayo over Rudy Gobert. Rudy will be on my fifth team. Bam just made the cut on games played. 56 games. Average 19, 10, and 3. 2.2 stocks when you add up your steals and blocks. He's on the best team in the East. I like us. I like slotting him in here. I also, you know, I just think he's maybe a bit more of an impactful player than, than Rudy, of course, offensively. Um, and I still think, you know, he's pretty damn close when it comes to the defense side of things too. Jimmy Butler, second heat player here. He just made the cut 57 games, 
a lot of people, when it comes to their real vote, it's like Siakam or Butler. It seems like that's a debate going on with people with an actual ballot. Uh, but I'll put Butler on the fourth team here. Jalen Brown, who I guess he could convince me as a, a guard just as much as he has a forward. Uh, I think it's pretty close in terms of his minutes played, but I'll put him there. Donovan Mitchell, 26 points per game. Not bad. He makes the fourth team. And DeJounte Murray, 21-8-9 on the Spurs. What an unbelievable year. And I think in doing this exercise, DeJounte Murray gets my most improved player vote because he was a snub last year when I did the All-NBA <laughs> teams. Yes, he didn't make any of the 10 All-NBA teams, and here he is on the fourth team, and I think uh, in a great spot. So there he is. Okay, All-NBA fifth team. And jump in, guys. I am trying to move with pace here, but if you have a if you have a real issue with somebody I have, go nuts. Rudy Gobert is the center on the fifth team. Chris Middleton. Andrew, you there, my man. Rudy Gobert, center on the fifth team. Chris Middleton and Zach Levine are my forwards. Again, Levine is one of those, hmm, where do you put him? I'll put him at the forward. Darius Garland and Van Vliet. In doing this, there are just way more guards in the mix for these 10 All-NBA teams than there were forwards. It started to get a little shallow as I went with the forwards. But uh, Lee, any thoughts on this one? You okay with where these guys are? Yeah, I, I mean, Chris Middleton uh, being there, you know, I gave him some consideration on my third team because he's uh, just that under-the-radar Ferris wheel. He's a very good, consistent player, just doesn't get the appreciation and love. So I'm glad that he is in there uh, at number five. I'm expecting Drew Holiday maybe on the next one as well because I think... Uh, oh, way to uh, tee it up. Well, just, be, you know, those, those guys are just just underappreciated, I think, uh, and, and the Bucks are still, you know, my favorite to come out of the East. And so it's good to see them. Well, it's good to see Chrissy getting some love here. Oh, this is a good, this is a good comment uh, from Nils from Germany. Mm-hmm. Levine is not a forward because you had DeRozan and Levine as forwards. Mm-hmm. You just he got put, one, the, uh, one guard he, on the Bulls? He played at forward. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I just put them both on cause, uh, again, too many guards. So I want to show some Zach Levine love who had a really awesome, you know, start to the season. I think he sort of, uh, as the bulls, he had a good three quarters of a season. Yeah. Yeah. Go bear so is too there. low here. I think, uh, you I got go bear. Yeah. I got go bear over bam. The, the jazz yeah. fell apart when go bear went out of the lineup. Yeah. The heat were able to keep winning because that's just uh heat basketball heat culture right there. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Sixth team, Jared Allen is my center. Unfortunate injury at the end of the year, but uh, obviously was an all-star. Well-deserved. Mikhail Bridges I'm going to throw here. So now we go, this is a real defensive-minded team. You got Jared Allen, Mikhail Bridges with the Suns, Jaron Jackson Jr., who's in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. I know that's your pick, Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then LaMelo Ball, and there's your Drew Holiday. I'll, I slotted him in there. That feels good, that one. I, now I like getting into a little bit more of like, okay, let's give some love to uh, some of the defensive guys. Seventh team, DeAndre Eaton there with the Suns. I put Sabonis as a forward. He does now play center, so you could go there, but uh, we'll put him at one of these. You know, the numbers are still really impressive, even though he played on the Pacers and then the Kings. Miles Bridges, he played in, I believe, 80 games this year. So he's like Mikhail Bridges, who's an Iron Man, uh, and averaged 20 points per game on like nearly 50% shooting. Great season for Miles Bridges. Uh, I like him there. I'm CJ McCollum. James Harden was the like, I didn't know what to do with James Harden, if I'm being completely honest. Guy averaged 22, 8, and 10 in 65 mm. games. But if you strike his rookie season, it's the worst shooting season of his career. We all we know all like what happened with him. We don't have to regurgitate that. But like, 
it's like I don't know, Lee. It's, it's Harden. He's still one of the better. <laughs> he's still one of the better guards in the league. I, uh, I, this felt right to me. I was yeah. like, I like where I got him here. He's not at the end. He's not at the top. It's right. right. In the I mean, to basically average a triple double and be on the seventh team uh, just shows how far he's sort of. Uh, appeal i guess has fallen because he still puts up these numbers in what's perceived to be a pretty bad lazy sloppy season by his standards but how many guys in the nba would kill to have a 22 8 and 10 season as you mentioned there even with those percentages that's honestly for some guys an absolute you know monster career season so it's just james harden is uh not the most beloved character in the league uh you know he forced his way out of brooklyn there goes to philadelphia and we've unfortunately seen some of the bad habits sort of pick up again where it's like he seems uninterested. But even when he's only going at seemingly half speed, he can put up incredible numbers. Yeah. Uh, Tassa, any thoughts on Harden and his all-NBA seventh team selection here during Sicko Week? I think what it matters when it comes down to a player's resume is that he just made the all-NBA team. doesn't matter what team he's on. <laughs> oh, even That's mine all that matters. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think seven's probably right. Oh, well, people are saying he shouldn't be on any of the teams. Well, I mean, he's a, I <laughs> guess math-wise, if you're including DeRozan, you know, he's a forward. Levine's a forward. So technically, they're, they could also qualify as guards. Same with Jalen Brown. I think James Harden is easily a top 20 guard in the NBA. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. all things considered. Yeah. Okay. All NBA eighth team. Starts to get a little tricky here. I mean, eighth, ninth, and tenth. So you can move them all around. And I mean... Sure, you won't be wrong. No one's wrong with these. Uh, but I got Valanchunas. I went JV uh, as my All-NBA 8th team center. Brandon Ingram just made the cut with the 55 games played. I really liked his season. 23-6-6. Six, and six. He improved defensively. He helped turn that Pelicans team around. There was a stretch where he was playing lights-o basketball, even though no one was watching. Um, so th- he just makes the cut because of games played. I put Andrew Wiggins here. Uh, all-star starter, Andrew Wiggins. It feels right. He shot nearly 40% from three. As the season went on, you heard less and less from him. Uh, I still think it's amazing. He was an all-star starter, but they had that awesome start. Yeah, Harden on the seventh team and all-star. I would assume that Wiggins is on the lowest ranking team as an all-star here. There's nobody. It's an all-star <laughs> on the ninth or tenth team, I assume. I There's don't camp. think so. I mean, now we're in I the, like, not. these are the top 40 players in the NBA as uh, the eighth team here. 24 go to the all-star game. It's just a bad second half for both Wiggins and James Harden, really. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Edwards makes the uh, eighth team as one of the guards. Mm. And I put Tyler Hero here, uh, Lee, as, um, you know, he's going to run away with sixth man of the mm-hmm. year. Um, and, and you know, of course, scoring 20 points per game, whether you start or come off the bench, I mean, it's pretty amazing. I know he plays a lot of minutes for guys that come off the bench, but... Uh, I thought he was, you know, pretty pretty solid for the, the Heat this year, who are the first number one team in the East. Mm-hmm. Yes, and okay. I, I, I uh, disagree with John Hollinger's uh, analysis that Kevin Love is the runaway winner for six-man. I think it is going to be Tyler Hero because I think it's more than just empty buckets. I think he actually really gives them that second uh, punch off the bench. He goes out there, he can run the offense, and he's been outstanding and consistent all season. So uh, I think Tyler Hero is the uh, six-man of the year and deserving of an eighth, sp- uh, eighth All-NBA team. <laughs> Okay, to the ninth team. Uh, Vucci Baby is my center. Cool. I thought he was a guard. I thought you'd put him <laughs> at a guard. No, no, he's a center. He's, he's six foot four, Skeets. He doesn't take free throws. <laughs> he, he, he can't yeah. shoot. So, I mean, maybe he is a center. Uh, yeah. I, honestly, this is too high. Too high for Vooch. 
Yeah. <laughs> I put that. No, he was I, brutal. Th- he was brutal. Brutal, brutal oh, season. Geez. He's out there for his offense and he can't score. Scotty Barnes, forward. Evan Mobley, forward. That's where the rookies go. Had to keep them together. Just, uh, I was like, fine, good. Uh, and again, once you start to get to the last couple forward spots, you're like, you're left scratching your head. I uh, went Desmond Bean as a guard. I think he's uh, had a really, really good season, obviously, especially when John Morant goes out and he still lit it up. And Tyrese Halliburton, his numbers are amazing. He's the Sabonis here flipped where he was on the Kings and then on the Pacers. Really, really lights out numbers with Indiana. Uh, but young guy, this is just a young team here with Vucci, baby. I, maybe I should have put Robert Williams the third then as my ninth team center. Sure, flip him if Bump you want, but go to the tenth team. Andrew, I got I got Time Lord as the center, and then my forwards. Oh. I went Tobias Harris. <laughs> I wasn't happy about it, but uh, I put him there. Aaron Gordon. Uh, shout out to uh, a couple people on Twitter making the case for Aaron Gordon. Just the contributions that he helped out. Uh, the Joker and Denver this year. And he, look, great defensive player, had a solid defensive year for them. And he did have a fine season, so sure. And then I went with De'Aaron Fox and SGA. This is my team, damn it. I love those two players. <laughs> and they made the cut games played-wise, which actually shocked me. Fox played 59 and SGA played 56. So I think Shea Gildas-Alexander is better than a lot of the guards that I've already listed on a couple of the teams prior. But... Uh, you know, only just playing the 56 games there and on a Thunder team that like basically told them to sit it down once again and all that. Sure. Snubs. The biggest Andrew. one. And sorry, Andrew, is that too low? Is SGA yeah, way too low? Good call. Can't hear you. I was double muted here. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think it's I think it's a good spot for Shea. Okay. He's He's got to play seventy plus games to uh to to even sniff a All NBA seventh team. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I also like I wasn't even going to include him or Fox and like uh, I, you'll see when I get to like the snubs for guards. But at a certain point, it's like I guess it's like the LeBron thing. It's like these guys are better than a lot of the guys that I'm going to say on the snubs list. It's just like disappointing seasons in the sense of win loss records or games played and stuff like that. But threw him in. Yeah, okay. he'll have his time. Yeah. Okay. So just this is fun. Center snubs. Jakob Pertl, eh, that, that one hurt. Great year from Pertl. Became a, a phenomenon with the word game. Uh, so I had him in the mix. Capella was there. He's always in the running for one of these. Wendell Carter Jr., really good season for the Orlando Magic at the, at the center position as an undersized center. Steven Adams, the numbers aren't there, but we know he's good. And then Christian Wood. Porzingis only played 51 games. So that's the center snubs. Anyone else I'm, I'm missing that you want to make a case for? Probably not. We've listed every center in the league at this point. Where's Zubach? <laughs> there it is. That's what I'm looking for with these. That's good. That's good. Kevon Looney was one of only five <laughs> players to play all 82 games this season. Wow. Where's he at? Okay. Uh, snubs for the forward position. Did you notice, t- uh, Lee, one particular team that I didn't, I didn't have either of their forwards in? It's uh, one of your favorite teams. One of my favorite teams. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe that, that you're doesn't off really the uh, narrow it down at all. Uh, no. It's your favorite place to see a game and mine. The Fortress. No. This guy oh, was a real all NBA player last year. Yeah. Julius. Uh, well, so no. RJ Barrett was the one I was seeing if he made any. RJ Barrett yeah. and Julius Randle. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't Julius think Randall Julius was, was a real all NBA player last year. Yeah. 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 I didn't think Randall was going to make it, but Barrett had a pretty solid 20 and about eight. <laughs> Yeah, 
You think that? And then you go look at it. I thought the same thing. I was like, I'll put Barrett on. Yeah. Good old Canadian boy too. And then I'm like, I'm going to leave Randall off. And then I'm like, RJ Barrett had in some categories a worse season than RJ Barrett. Or sorry, than Randall. 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 It wasn't wasn't amazing. Yeah. Randall's a bit like Harden. I think he ended up averaging 20 and 10, but uh, he just did not have the the season that he had last season. Um, You know, his shooting was down and just his impact was down as well. But to still just put up 20 and 10s, when you're having a bad season, it's a pretty incredible effort. 20 and 10 used to be like, how can you leave a guy off all NBA if he's averaging 20 and 10? Now it's like barely get you on in some cases. Yeah. Barrett Barrett started slow this year and Randall had a rough year. So I just kept them both off. Uh, We'll see what the Knicks fans care at all. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. He's still, that guy just scores 18 points a game every season. I feel like uh, for, for the jazz. So, so he's a snub. Kyle Kuzma. Yeah, perfect, okay. Perfect, perfect snub. Perfect snub for this. Uh, Cam Johnson, obviously playing on a great Suns team. He doesn't really have the numbers. And then Jeremy Grant, he only played 47 games, so that really kept him out of uh, contention here. And then this, this, the guards. Listen to these guards. Well, where's Westbrook? Do you put Westbrook on one of these teams, Lee? Or is, uh... No, but the, the same thing with Harden. He, he, I think someone had a stat the other day. Westbrook led the team in rebounds, assists, yeah. steals, and was second in points. And it's like, oh, man, yeah. it did not feel like that at all. So, But no, no you can't have uh, – You can't. he just wasn't good enough this season. Uh, yeah, so he's a snub. I have Lowry as a snub. I think he's obviously a great player still, but you know they didn't miss a chunk of time there. These numbers are not going to wow you. Marcus Smart, great defensive player, you know, similar to Lowry in that sense. Tyrese Maxey, Mike Conley, Terry Rozier, Reggie Jackson. I thought had like a much better season statistically than I, uh, you know, in my head. I was like, wow, man, he sort of carried the Clippers at times. I see him always have these big games. I think you look at his numbers and they're like, you know, it's classic Reggie Jackson where it's like not that efficient, uh, but, you know, has been asked to do a lot and at times has really come through for them. So he scored a lot of clutch points. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. for the Raps, uh, pretty dominant, you know, year from from distance, at least, and, and scoring the ball. Cade Cunningham, obviously Pistons rookie. D'Angelo Russell, perfect snub. Anthony Simons, Jordan Poole, Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. That's it. No, and I'm sure I'm missing 10. Jalen Brunson? Brunson, sure. Put him on. I love it. Anyone else? <laughs> Surprise. Jordan Poole's a, a wild one. Had a really good season. Led the league in free throw percentage. Mm. Shocking to me. Mm. 92.5. Yeah. Uh, and people are saying, don't forget about Sadiq Bay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the perfect way to end. So there are my uh, all NBA 10 teams, uh, 1 through 10. Uh, let me know what you agree or disagree with. Who is too high? Who is too low? Who should have been on? What was the name I didn't say? Uh, have at it as you are in the stream team, in the YouTube comments, and tweet at me if you want, uh, at J.E. Skeets. Always, always a fun time putting those together. Okay, let's take one more break. Lee, when we come back, tweet of the night. Can't wait. Okay, back with No Dunks here. Let's get to tweet of the night. Mm, tweet of the night. Wow. Twitter. All right, Lily, what do you got, man? I've got a good three-parter. Uh, Twitter used to be fun when you could have some, uh, you know, make fun of people without it getting too nasty. And that's what really happened, I think, <laughs> yesterday. Uh, the Orlando Magic sent out a tweet, fun tweet. They said, uh, I am out for the season officially. See you all in the fall. Making fun, of course, of LeBron, who tweeted that on April Fool's Day. Turned out to be rather, uh, uh, what's the word when you when you sort of predict something? Uh, anyway, 
Yes, prophetic. That's right. Yes. Uh, anyway, so StatMuse, who uh, you know, they like to stir things up on uh, on Twitter. They replied and said, you know, well, look, LeBron's had 174 wins in the playoffs in his career. The Orlando Magic have only 59 wins in the playoffs all time, thinking that they had zinged the Magic, <laughs> only yeah. for the Magic to respond. Very, very nicely by replying with their own tweet from uh, a few weeks ago here when they just said, stat muse this is. You know, we don't usually read our replies, but after doing so in the past uh, few weeks, we've realized too little of it is actual sports discussion. We're experimenting with temporarily disabling it to see if we can improve signal, reduce noise, and cultivate a more focused stat muse community. And their magic, just tweet that picture with the word ratio. Wow. And uh, they got burned. They got burned. <laughs> Stat Muse afterwards, they, that was another tweet. They just said, well played. They took that one on the yeah. chin. And that's the way Twitter should be. You know, you can have some fun. You throw out a little something. You get zinged in return. You say, okay, you got me and you move on. So well done, uh, Stat Muse and the Orlando Magic. Okay. <laughs> well done all around. <laughs> Good stats, like, Stat uh, Muse. Lee, do you like your StatMuse Twitter account having a personality, or did you like it when it was just stats? No, it, look, they uh, they've had a few hits for sure, uh, you know, but they also uh, they they definitely like to create conversation. I'll say that divisiveness <laughs> at times, you know. Uh, but they've uh, yeah, they, they they've they've taken their hits, but they've uh, yeah, look, they've had some good tweets as well. So keep it up. Just don't get into the nasty sort of like name calling and the vitriol that we always see. Basically, on anything that gets tweeted these days, it ends up just being like a uh, a slanging match between people and uh, accounts, and it's uh, it's just no fun when it's like that. Mm-hmm. It was. It is a weird initial tweet from the Magic, I will say. Like, it's, yeah. like I guess it's funny, of course, because it's a parody of LeBron, but it's like, I don't really see the correlation all that much. Yeah, uh, look, you don't want to be... had another brutal season. You haven't <laughs> yeah, won a playoff exactly. series. Exactly. You don't, like, you, you don't want to be promoting the fact that you missed the play-in tournament in the East. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, it's just weird. But, yeah. And you still got a tweet in the offseason. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. not a guy. That was a weird <laughs> That's one. a good point. <laughs> yeah. Your account doesn't shut down. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's going to be Hito Turgo's birthday someday. You know, you got to say happy birthday. You know? <laughs> and didn't they have uh, the Magic had something about their leader in assists? I think was Sheldon Mack. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and it was like yeah. three point eight for the season. Or something. <laughs> the season-ending tweet from the Orlando Magic is uh, hotly anticipated every year. Yeah. What are they coming out with? Love it. Okay, great, great tweets there, uh, Lee, for, for tweet of the night. Uh, let's call it there. Email in your NBA questions to nodunks at theathletic.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok at nodunks inc. That's INC. Grab yourself an athletic subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash nodunks. Dollar a month for up to six months for new subscribers. If you go to theathletic.com slash nodunks, they know that we sent you. So you're helping us. Help them help yourself because you get a great subscription and you can listen to all of these podcasts if you want ad-free through the Athletic app. On tomorrow's show, it is Wednesday. We're going to recap tonight's two play-in games. Again, if you want to hear us talk about them, check out yesterday's podcast. Cavs, Nets, Clips, Wolves tonight. We were uh, split on who wins that second game, Clips, Wolves. I think in the end, correct me if I'm wrong, we all took uh, the Nets in the first game. Is that right? Yes. Uh, everybody. Yes. Took Brooklyn yes. to uh, get the seventh seed. So we'll see if that happens. If it does, or whoever wins that game between Cleveland and Brooklyn, they'll be taking on Boston. And we'll start doing our deep dive on tomorrow's podcast about those other Eastern Conference playoff matchups. So obviously Boston against whoever they're playing in the seventh seed. We've got the Bucks bulls to talk about a little more detail. 
and we've got the Sixers Raptors and we'll make our like official predictions for those series. And then, you know, we'll do the whole thing again on Thursday when we get to the Western Conference. But tonight, some games on. Nice to have basketball back in our life. And we'll be back to break them down. 10 a.m. Eastern live here on YouTube. If you're new to the show, subscribe and like the video. And new no breaks coming up later today in mere hours uh, with special guest Lee Ellis to talk about the Australian GP. <laughs> well, why are you laughing? Have you even watched the race, Lee? Yes, I've watched the... Uh, I've, I've been doing some research on it. Yeah, for sure. Okay. For sure. Okay. <laughs> Don't yeah. worry. Okay, We're well, going to be asking Lee a lot about, you know, just driving in Australia in particular. <laughs> <laughs> just what it's like, you know? Yeah. Hey, other side of the road, man. It's crazy. <laughs> Wild stuff. Um, uh, I was going to say No Breaks has its own YouTube feed, its own podcast feed. So if you want to listen to uh, Trey and Graydon uh, every, basically every week, talk about the, uh, the F1 season, subscribe to No Breaks. It's a, it's a lot of fun and you'll learn a lot too uh, from those guys. Um, and, you know, have some laughs with Lily today. That'll be a lot of fun. Okay. Enjoy the games tonight. Andrew, thank you so much. I know you're on No Breaks uh, later today, but thank you so much for filling in for JD. In theory, he's back and we're back in the classic factory tomorrow, but you killed it, my man. Hopefully you had some fun. Yeah, it's been great. Out of the yard, back into the factory. Uh, <laughs> who's uh, who's first up? Uh, who's getting the first OKC Thunder interview? I think we got SGA coming up here in a little bit. We'll get Giddy and Dort uh, this okay. morning. So, yeah. All right. Well, tell, uh, please tell SGA that I had him on my All-NBA 10th. <laughs> I'll let him know. Your, reaction, your reaction, reaction to making the all <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love it. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Until uh, no breaks later today, Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow. And remember, this is a message that goes out to Andy and Linda Peel in England. No dunks is thinking about you. Brace the day, people. Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.